The Symbolism of the Cupped Hand in Ancient Egypt and Israel, Iconography, Text, and Artifact, by Stephen O. Smoot. In a 1983 study, Lynn M. Hilton explored the concept of the hand as a cup in ancient temple worship. Hilton's analysis of the imagery of the cupped hand as a ritual gesture offered some useful initial exploratory insight. This article builds on Hilton's analysis and points to additional iconographic, textual, and artifactual forms of evidence for the cupped hand as a ritual gesture in ancient Egypt and Israel. As this evidence makes clear, in both ancient Egypt and ancient Israel, an important ritual action was to fill the cupped hand with offerings for the deity. These offerings could be made by either directly filling the palms of the hands or through the use of cultic vessels shaped as a cupped hand. Furthermore, in ancient Egypt, the outstretched cupped hand could also represent the petitioner receiving blessings from the deity as opposed to making an offering, while in ancient Israel, the action of filling the cupped hand was directly linked with being consecrated in a priestly capacity. Evidence for the cupped hand in ancient Egypt Hieroglyphs had a very specific purpose in Egypt, notes Penelope Wilson. They were used for writing texts which were written for the gods, for an elite in the context of their relationship with the gods, and for the afterlife. The hieroglyphs were used to write a recognizable language of Egypt. It was an extended mode of communication within a formal ritual setting and within an architectural framework defining spatial and temporal zones. The guiding principles for writing in hieroglyphs come from Egyptian art and ceremonial imagery rather than language. It should therefore come as no surprise that the hieroglyph for the verb to give, to place, is an outstretched arm holding a loaf of bread, or that the determinative used for offering or presenting is an outstretched arm holding a bowl or water pot. Since the pictorial nature of hieroglyphic writing allows it to blend with pictorial scenes on temple and tomb walls, there can be little doubt that the hieroglyphic representations of the actions of offering and giving or placing converges purposefully with the canonical Egyptian iconographic or artistic depiction of the same. For example, a subject may be present with one hand stretched out and raised in the typical gesture of greeting or hailing, while the other hand presents an offering in an outstretched uh, and cupped palm. This imagery of both arms extending forward with an object held in one or both palms was developed from an ideal form in Egyptian artistic consciousness as the standard or conventional way of expressing desired meaning, in this case, presenting or offering. The surviving evidence for this artistic convention is extensive, ranging from the Old Kingdom to well into the Roman period. A limited sampling of offering scenes from the New Kingdom onward, at least, reveals that the items offered to the deity by the king himself as well as by members of the priesthood could include, among other things, incense, libations, ma'at, ankh jed was, and wajet. Each of these items had close associations with kingship, so it is often the king who is shown making the offering directly to the deity. These items are most often uh, directly in the hands, while incense is frequently, though not exclusively, presented as being uh, presented in hand-shaped utensils, in addition to being offered directly in the hand. In the mortuary realm, examples of funerary papyri and tomb art featuring incensing and libation scenes in, uh, with the prominent display of hand-shaped incense spoons are abundant. The celebrated Book of the Dead of Ani features such, as does the Karasher Book of Breathings. The New Kingdom tomb of Amenemenet contains a representative scene of the deceased uh, incensing and libating the deified king Mentuhoptep II and his queen Ahmos and Nefertari. The most common verbs in the titles of the scenes for both static and dynamic offerings are doing, giving, and presenting, thereby erasing any doubt as to what ritual action these scenes intended to convey. 
In addition to doing incense and or libation, the king can also be labeled as doing hetep dinisu, doing purification and circling or seeing the god, thus linking the ritual action of offering to some sense of deification. Indeed, what is depicted in offering scenes could be the making of a covenant between the king and the god, and the incense could serve as a symbolic function in the ritual. It may be noteworthy that the word for incense in Egyptian, senecher, also means to make divine, to sanctify. It is also in the mortuary realm where depictions of the outstretched cupped hand make an appearance as a gesture of receiving a boon from the deity. Utterance 153 of the Book of the Dead ensures that the deceased has sufficient food and drink in the afterlife, so as not to be reduced to eating excrement and drinking urine. The vignette frequently accompanying this utterance as it does in the Book of the Dead of Tosheret Min, features the deceased before an offering table with outstretched hands receiving a supply of food on an offering table. The text reads, I loathe excrement. I will not drink urine. I will not walk upside down. I am a possessor of bread in Heliopolis. My bread is in the sky with Ra, and my bread is on the earth with Geb. May I eat of what they eat, and may I live on what they live on. I have eaten bread in the chamber of the possessor of offerings. Utterance 106 of the Book of the Dead, a chapter for giving gifts in Memphis, finds the deceased beseeching, O great one, old one, possessor of offerings, O you great one who is over the upper house, may both of you give me bread and beer. Once again, the purpose of this chapter is to ensure that the deceased receives offerings of bread and beer in the afterlife. The vignette accompanying this utterance in the Book of the Dead of Tosheret Min depicts the deceased standing with the hieroglyphic word for gift in her upraised hands. A visual hieroglyphic pun on the Egyptian word for joyful, happy, is easily detectable in the, in the vignette in the Book of the Dead of Tosheret Min, as well as others, reinforcing the beatified state of the deceased upon receiving perpetual refreshment in the afterlife. Finally, Utterance 57 from the Book of the Dead serves as a chapter for breathing air and having power over water in the realm of the dead. This utterance invokes the deified Nile god Hapi, great one of the sky, in this your name of the sky is safe and implores him to grant that the deceased have power over waters like Sachmet, who saved Osiris on the night of the storm. The customary vignette accompanying this utterance depicts, with some variation, the deceased holding a sail and enveloped by streams of water, thus guaranteeing he will breathe air and have power over water, or standing before an anthropomorphized tree goddess that pours out liquid, presumably water, into his or her cupped hands. The rituals are, the, are those activities that address the gods or other supernatural forces. At its most basic definition, ritual is action. If art provides representations of ritual acts, and texts provide descriptions of ritual acts, then it is archaeology that provides the material remains of ritual acts. The recovery of actual specimens of Egyptian hand censors illustrates this convergence between text, iconography, and artifact. A number of hand-shaped censors have been recovered, such as those currently housed in the British Museum and the Louvre. Examples such as the late period or Ptolemaic incense burner from Saqqara, which features a cartoon-shaped receptacle supported by the figure of a kneeling king halfway along the main shaft, are particularly noteworthy. The burners demonstrate the artifactual reality of the sort of specialized uh, style incense burners seen depicted in later temple reliefs. In addition to hand-shaped censers, multiple specimens of three-dimensional statuary from the Old Kingdom onward have been recovered that depict the monarch offering new vessels to the deity, typically while kneeling, but sometimes in the classical striding pose, with outstretched cupped hands. The ritual nature of the action depicted in this statuary, as well as the ritual context of these statues themselves, has not gone unnoticed by scholars. This, combined with other evidence, further indicates that these scenes are not just emblematic, 
but represent rituals which were performed. Evidence for the cupped hand in ancient Israel. Turning to the biblical record, the concept of filling the cupped hand was intricately linked with priestly consecration in the service of Yahweh. Rendered as consecrate throughout the King James Version, the Hebrew idiom malat yad describes the action Aaron was to perform in inaugurating his male descendants into the priesthood. The phrase means literally fill the hand and is coupled with the verb kadash, uh, sanctify, in passages such as Exodus 29.33, KJV. And they, the Aaronic priests, shall eat those things wherewith the atonement was made, to consecrate, malat yad, and to sanctify, kodesh, them. But a stranger shall not eat therefrom, because they are holy. Additional passages from the Pentateuch providing instruction on the consecration of Aaronic priests interchange the verbs malat yad and kadash, thus reinforcing the unmistakable relation the ritual action of filling the hand has with priestly service. Besides the hand, the Pentateuch also describes the palm as being filled with cultic offerings for Yahweh. Among the offerings listed throughout number 7, for instance, is the kaf, filled with incense. Rendered spoon in the KJV or dish in contemporary translations, kaf is, in fact, the common word for the hollow part of the hand, and is used to indicate a shallow bowl used as a censer for burning incense. Such dishes are measured in various priestly texts in the Pentateuch, dealing with the tabernacle and they appear in other parts of the Bible in relationship to temple equipment. The parallels with the Egyptian material reviewed above are unmistakable, especially in light of archaeological discovery of shallow stone bowls with the hand carved on the bottom so that the vessel appears to be a cupped palm. As with the recovered Egyptian specimens, the recovery of these utensils in Syria, Canaan, and Anatolia provide artifactual evidence for these cultic objects as described in the, in the Pentateuch. Debate still exists as to where these cultic objects originated, however, with some scholars placing their origin in Syria and Anatolia, and others locating the origin of these objects in Egypt, emphasizing the similarities with the metal hand-shaped bowls represented in several Egyptian paintings as containers in which to burn uh, incenses. An Egyptian origin for these ritual vessels is enticing on account of the strong similarities between the vessels and the Egyptian of seen above, as well as on account of the overall Egypticity of the Exodus and wilderness narratives describing the origin of these and other ritual objects in the nascent Yahweh cult. Whether ultimately originating from Egypt or Syria and Anatolia, their cultic function cannot be doubted, given the prevalence of these vessels in ritual contexts in Syria, Anatolia, Cyprus, and the Levant as early as the 2nd millennium BC. Besides being filled with incense, the Kaf could likewise contain a grain oil, a grain offering, oil, or any number of potentially consecrated items. Whatever the offering may have entailed, the filling of the kaf with material to be offered is a common ritual action amongst the Aaronic priests and others brought into a ritual setting. The evidence from the biblical text, buttressed with surviving artifactual sources, demonstrates that part of the process of becoming a set-apart member of the Israelite priesthood involved literally filling the hand or palm with incense and other offerings. Sometimes these offerings were placed directly in the hand or palm, sometimes in special censers shaped as a cupped hand, not unlike those recovered from ancient Egypt and Syria and Anatolia. This ritual action in turn authorized the priest to approach Yahweh in his residence and present offerings. Conclusion This paper's investigation yielded findings that complement Hilton's earlier work. In both ancient Egypt and ancient Israel, an important ritual action was to fill the cupped hand with offerings for the deity. This could be accomplished by either directly filling the palms of the hands with the offering or by filling special cultic vessels resembling a cupped hand. 
Based on the archaeological context of surviving artifactual remains, iconographic evidence, and textual sources, this exercise was undeniably carried out in a temple or ritual setting. What's more, in ancient Egypt, in the mortuary realm, the outstretched cupped hand could also represent a gesture of the beatified deceased receiving blessings. In ancient Israel, the action of filling the cupped hand or palm was directly associated with being sanctified and consecrated in a priestly setting.